I'm not very good at like reflecting on the on the process of making something. It's a bit like sort of childbirth. I tend to just go on to the next one. I'm Martin Green, and this is an episode about how we made the portal. The voice you just heard was that of director Wills Wilson, and you'll hear more from her later on in this episode. The Portal podcast was made during the UK's first lockdown, so we couldn't be in the same room as each other. It was all done over Zoom, everything done remotely, which actually turned out to have many advantages as well as the obvious disadvantages. The Portal wasn't even supposed to be a podcast. In the first instance, it was going to be a live show opening at the South Bank Centre in July of 2020. And before we go too far into how we made the Portal podcast, I should probably mention that there are inevitably some spoilers coming up. So... And I want to ruin the story. I'd suggest if this is the first episode, probably listen to the podcast and then listen to how we made it. But that's your choice. Just letting you know. We'll mostly be talking about the portal in this episode, but we'll also give you some information about our new project, The Servant, which we are currently developing. A lot of the people that were involved in making the portal are also involved in making that. And we'll give you some information about how you can be involved in that development process and how you can contribute to help us get that thing finished a little bit later on in the episode. If you are able to take a minute to give us your thoughts on this podcast, on the portal, on anything else, there is a link to a survey in the copy below this, and we'd be delighted if you could help us. Obviously, we don't see anyone during this process, and nor does anybody else, so anything that you've got to say is hugely useful to us, because we can't go to the bar and have a pint. This was the first podcast I've ever made. It's the first one most of the people involved had ever made, and obviously there was a little bit of apprehension. Here is director Wills Wilson explaining a bit more about that feeling. Thinking about it was how many like complete unknowns we had, particularly like when we were recording. I mean, that, that was a massive unknown, and we didn't know how that would go. And Wills is right, there were a lot of unknowns. And it's also true that we didn't set out to make a podcast, but given that we had decided that we wanted to make this into an audio format... What we didn't want to do was to make anything second best. We were always keen from the start to try and make something that we felt was a whole bit of work. Doing this kind of reminds me of how, how many unknowns we had and whether we was, oh my God, is it going to work at all kind of feeling. We didn't know if it was going to work, but there are always unknowns. There are unknowns when you make live shows. There are unknowns to a certain extent when you make records. And in a lot of ways, it was a very happy shift for us. Audio is the world where I'm most comfortable and I was really intrigued by the idea of trying to do something that felt cinematic that felt kind of big and complete and was I don't know a bit like a play and a bit like a book and a bit like an album and all of that really appealed but it definitely wasn't what we thought we were going to make when I asked Wills if she wanted to be involved here's Wills telling us what she thought we were going to make I think we thought we were going to make an interactive piece of live theatre. And that's true. The portal was going to be a piece of interactive theatre. It's going to be a piece of theatre where the audience danced and we got together and drank caffeinated wine and tried to find some kind of trance state together. It was about proximity as much as anything else, which is kind of grimly hilarious in a pandemic world but part of the point of the show was that the audience got very close together like you would in a club and that that feeling of intimacy is part of what makes club music special and obviously we couldn't do any of that so we're turning it into a piece of audio drama which was great and 
if we hadn't found the group of people that we did, Wills took to it very naturally. And the people that came and helped us do it were all brilliant. So I'm going to go back a little bit and let Wills explain what the performance was meant to be originally. That was the first time we met. That was quite, yeah. So you did, you got some friends in a sort of dark basement and uh, you did part of the portal, which was going to all be about the audience being talked into a state where then we would all dance. There was the fast ritual at the beginning and, um, and then a kind of, yeah, darkened room where you shouted at me for a bit and made me dance. That's true, I did shout at Wills. I just did dance which was pretty impressive at half past 10 in the morning in the basement. So, you know, you've got to choose your collaborators carefully. And this was a very happy meeting. The experiential version of the show, the live show, didn't rely heavily on story. It was about getting the audience to do things. I love experiential theatre, but if I, I've always found if it hasn't got something to get you emotionally involved, then it's... It's interesting and can be fun or can be disturbing, but in the end, it doesn't sort of linger in your, you know, it doesn't linger in your imagine in your mind. It doesn't it doesn't make an impact on you. So, yeah, I was encouraging the idea of a story would would give a sort of meaning to to whatever this experience was that the audience would have. And I totally agree with Wells, but I'd never written a full show before. I'd never written a narrative before. We had two characters. Angela at Etheridge, and we had an idea of this experience, but now we need to write a story. Angela and Etheridge, the characters that you created, which it just had a kind of ring of truth about them. They just seemed to spring into existence. So once you'd done a bit of writing about them or once you'd talked about them, they just seemed very real. And, um, yeah, and we... I stopped questioning whether they were um, part of it or not really quickly. I think they seem very real. I think, in fact, when you sent me Etheridge's sort of mock Wikipedia entry, I didn't know for quite a while whether he was a a real person or not. It took me a a bit of research to work out that he was a figment of your deranged imagination. Deranged imagination, it has to be said, is a double-edged sword. But those characters became the essence of what the portal was and they became the vehicle for all the things that we wanted to explore. Working out what the story would be, it felt like we had a lot of options, maybe because the story came after the characters, which came after the notion of Rave and Dancing at Dawn. So the thing about Rave and Dancing at Dawn, that was the only bit that had stayed in the show all the way from the beginning. And that was to do with my dad getting me up before dawn to dance for the Mayday Morris and later on in life going out and doing this form of dancing clubs you know, and, and parties and stuff that, that finish at dawn. Uh, I don't know, I'd always wonder what the difference is, you know. So that was a bit of thinking that that was behind all of it, I suppose. So so then I think what, how that story was structured and what it was, that took quite a lot of sort of bashing around because there was a sort of sense that we had these characters and maybe they could do any number of different things together and their story might go in quite a lot of different ways. And once we almost had the story finished for the live show and then it became apparent that we weren't going to be able to do this on a stage, we knew we weren't going to get a stage for a long time, at least a year. So at that point, 
we talked to Naked Productions and Polly Thomas, who was totally brilliant and helped us get through the script and kind of make it into a real thing. And that is something that was really important is we work with Naked who, that's what they do. They make radio and they make podcasts. And if you don't know what you're doing, somebody that does know what they're doing is invaluable. It felt like a very natural place for it to go and that it could be longer and we didn't have to kind of hone it down to like two hours or whatever our live show would have been. I think that suited it quite well as well because it had this sort of box set feel about it. And also it was something we could do. It was something that we could sit down and go, well, this, I think you said to me, let's do something that we know we can make happen and had no idea when we still don't really know when we're going to be able to make live shows again, but it felt really good to be able to actually do something that we knew we'd be able to have a product that people could listen to. It did seem important to be making something that we knew that we could put out even in a lockdown. And also Wilson and I still really wanted to make something that was as immersive as possible. I think with audio, it's a different thing. It's not interactive, like an immersive experiential show, but you still hope you can make something people can kind of wallow in. The podcast is definitely all about immersion. You know, put your headphones on and it takes you to sort of another state. State is room. person lived at his room and he's in us. With man, pet. Oh, yeah. I think I learnt a lot through that recording process with the actors. Um, yeah, I think it's it's got to be very um, sort of filmic and very um, non-theatrical. And I think that's is how to be insistent about that, I think, because I think, um, you know, when you're working with actors, they all want to give their best, and they all want to perform and they want to give you loads of options. And, and the temptation is always to do too much and that's the same in theatre but with a theatre rehearsal process you've got time to sort of pare things back and make choices and and throw things away an audio recording process is so quick you don't have rehearsal with a theatre rehearsal process you come together you'll do a first reading and people's first instincts can be really really good and that first reading can sometimes be really exciting and then you spend the whole of the rest of the next weeks that you've got kind of almost forgetting how to do that or or um trying to remember what that instinct was but make it repeatable and um have confidence in it and try different things and throw them away and and so you kind of then take it all apart and it feels like it's awful for a bit and then by the time you you put it in front of a an audience then you've put it all back together again and it it should feel should have all the good bits of rehearsal, but all the good bits of that first very instinctive reading as well. You don't, and that's the process that you're missing. So the so as a director, you have that very first instinctive response, and it's quite dangerous to mess too much with that when you don't have time to pull it apart and put it back together again. I've treated you better than any other man would have. Man, man, you're no a man. Etheridge, I've been women. I don't know what you are, some fucking public school mammy's boy, but no, a man. Men don't spend all night locked in their rooms blubbing. And they fuck. And that was true. We didn't have time to pull it apart, put it back together. 
actors are amazing. This was my first time really working with actors. And those people were in the same room as each other. They didn't know each other. They were remarkable with the pressure of having to do it all so fast and with very minimal rehearsal through Zoom, in their own houses. Pretty amazing, really. And that ended up being one of the most inspiring aspects of the whole thing for me. You can think about characters and try to kind of form them and then these incredible people turn them into other people who weren't quite like the people you thought of in the first place, uh, but better. We're going to hear from the actors in a second about how it was for them working in these new ways. But we'd also love to hear from you, the listeners, the people at the end of this whole process. We're, as I say, just starting and making the next one. And that'll be in podcast form two. It has the working title of The Servant. But it would be great to just find out if you've got a couple of minutes answering a couple of questions. There's a link to a survey underneath this. And there's a little space to tell us anything that you think we should know going in to the next one. People in the creative industries have not had the easiest of years, as you will know. And if you feel that you are able to contribute to keeping some of these brilliant creative people employed during these shows, that would be amazing. Uh, obviously, one of the results is you get to listen to more stuff, but it's also keeping some people going during a pretty rubbish time. If you're not in a position to contribute, please don't worry about it at all, and I hope you enjoy it. I do understand that this is a universally rubbish time for everyone. There's a link to the Patreon page at the bottom of this, or you can go to my website, or you'll work it out. It'll be fine. With people and music, I've always felt that. And it's, it's just waves, you know? It's just that someone in Detroit or wherever the fuck has made this captured pattern of vibrations. That fully awesome block rocker that you can hear there is the one and only Alison Peebles. Although Alison's done an awful lot of work of all sorts, including a lot of audio and radio, this was the first time she's ever recorded herself. It's the first time she's ever sat in isolation in the bedroom and did it. So I had a little chat with her about that and all things Portal. It was just, it was like going to a fantastic um, event as well because you've got that that quality of that you know of the sound i think you know and it is it yeah. like in terms of the job it, does it feel different it doing voice you know, only? It, it felt yeah it was great well it was it felt different anyway because i had a studio set up in my bedroom <laughs> so that was ex quite exciting and also and i was a bit nervous about that I thought, oh bloody hell i'm not a technician and I did feel that. I felt like we were asking a lot of these actors who weren't engineers. And just like I feel the same way with teachers and all sorts of people in the last year have suddenly been expected to record themselves in various ways, to do jobs that used to have nothing to do with audio or video engineering. We're going to hear now from Anna Russell-Martin, who plays Angela early in life from like 15 to... 25 or something. I think my first my first radio thing I did from home I was speaking into the back of the mic the whole time and my volume was I was much quieter than everyone else and then I didn't find out till the end that like you were actually speaking into the wrong end of the mic which sounds like you would know that but 
if you have never set up a mic before <laughs> it's about being relaxed about not being too tense and I think with radio or sound sometimes you can hit it right off and other times it can get a bit more tired or a bit stiffer or something and you have to trust trusting you trusting wills trusting everybody that to trust us us all as professionals that we're all doing our part you know i think alice is spot on when she says it's about trust we're all in different places all over the place there was a lot of trust which to be honest it wasn't hard at all i found myself surrounded by brilliant enthusiastic professionals that seem to be able to do anything so in some ways that was a wonderful thing to find out like you can do it and uh, you could do it from all over the place, from people's bedrooms. What was interesting is how it changed the work, I think, because microphones in studios are very close. It's like someone's talking into your ear all the time. And I think then when you listen with headphones on, it gave a quality that we weren't expecting. It got a bit scarier than we ever thought it would be, and a, a bit darker. Yeah, a friend, of, a friend of mine that I spoke to at the weekend was talking about, about it, and she said it. Sometimes it was really scary. She'd listen to it like on her own while painting with her headphones on and she said she really got frightened at times. We didn't know that would happen, didn't we? We didn't know it was going to be scary. We didn't really know it was going to be scary. And actually, the whole thing became a much closer and more intense experience than we had predicted, which was great. I mean, I, I think both Wills and I became slightly addicted to the editing process and the pros that you have of control versus the the cons of not having an audience in the room with you it was great it led to some late nights of editing away at the scottish borders that was a bit insane i think i think um you know when you think of like people working on films or i mean other places where that kind of level of intensity might happen i think those industries can carry on because they're and probably making shed loads of cash as well. So they're like, oh, that, that I'll turn my life upside down because that's what it takes to make a feature film or something. <laughs> and we were happily happy to do it for the artistic enterprise because it's so unusual to actually feel. What I loved about the process was it, I felt that we were both making what we wanted to make and we were making it because we were excited about making it. And so in terms of like working all hours and kind of ridiculous workload. I was really happy to do that because for me, that's, you know, that's why I, why I do it. That's what I love. You couldn't do it every day of the week and you couldn't do it every project because you just couldn't sustain it. Well, showing her weakness there that she can sustain the 18-hour days forever. It's a shame. We've all got an Achilles heel. Don't worry about it. It's actually, I'll tell you this, in, well, I was going to say confidence, but like a public broadcast but it was actually me that crumbled right at the end Wills wanted me to change a bit and I couldn't do it it was like no it's over I did I asked my brain if it could do it and my brain said no finish me gone last orders so there we are thank you very much for listening if you would like to support these brilliant creative people on our next endeavour then please do hit the link down here or go over to my website, martingreenmusic.co.uk or go to the portal or the supporters page. 
There are plenty of ways. If you want to do it, that would be brilliant. If you want to fill in the questionnaire, that would be brilliant. Uh, thank you very much to John Calver and Michaela Atkins-Blake for making all these things happen. I'm going to leave you with these words from the ever-chipper Anna Russell Martin. I was in a room with people again and we were being creative and we were trying different things. It felt really good. It felt like work again. There's so many new friends I've made now across Zoom that I'm like, yeah, we're family. <laughs> we'll see you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Portal. The Portal is free to listen to and will remain free to listen to. But if you'd like to support the project, the single most wonderful, useful, brilliant thing that you can do is to introduce someone else to it. It really makes a massive difference. The music album is available from my website or on Bandcamp. The Portal was directed by the incredible and brilliant Wills Wilson, who was absolutely and fundamentally involved in all aspects of this project from before there was a script to the very final edit. So thank you, Wills. You're brilliant. Etteridge was played by Dylan Reed. Angela from 1974 to 2017 and Prue were played by Alison Peebles. Angela from 1943 to 1974 was played by Anna Russell Martin. Music stems mixed by Tucker Martin. Voices recorded by Louis Blatherwick. Podcast mixed by Callum Malcolm with Cameron Malcolm. Many thanks to Eloise Whitmore for all her help with the sound. The script editor and executive producer was Polly Thomas. Produced by Martin Atkinson for Leapers Productions. The portal was commissioned and presented with... Edinburgh International Festival, South Bank Centre, Oxford Contemporary Music, National Theatre of Scotland, Shetland Arts, The North Wall, Bristol Beacon and Bristol Music Trust, Mac Arts Gallery Shields, and funded by Creative Scotland. Produced by Lepus and Naked Productions.